That was a powerful skit, and I want to thank Lynn for her organization and acting, in this case, of all the skits. I'm just going to leave these up here like this for now. And I think I have a PowerPoint coming up, which might go with today. If you want a children, just missed your junior church at this point. I'll let the children out. And if you would like to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be going to Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. And it's the account which was just um, dramatically portrayed by Lynn, Luke 8, 43 through 48. If the PowerPoint doesn't come up, that's fine. It's sometimes slow on things like this. I think most of us would know, there it is, see, most of us know of Mother Teresa. Most of us can think of Mother Teresa if we We can just think of her and imagine who she was and what she did. And, you know, I saw a video once showing her decades ago asking the United Nations to let her into a war-torn area in order that she could serve the people there. The United Nations would not let her in unless there was a ceasefire in a particular area. She prayed and there was a ceasefire. But she did not only lead others in the ministry of service. She was a part of the service to others. She was a model example by what she did. And so praise God for examples such as Mother Teresa and how she ministered to the people left out. Today, we begin a special uh, series for Lent. We're going to be stepping away the book of Acts. We just started the book of Acts and just completed Acts chapter 2 last week. And we're going to be coming back to the book of Acts after this after the Resurrection Sunday. And my Lenten theme is going to be that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Amen? Amen. The gospel is for everyone. That didn't sound very reassuring. Amen? Amen? The gospel is for everyone. Jesus came for everyone. Jesus went to the marginalized. Jesus went to the left out. Jesus went to the people who were unclean. And I hope that this this series is encouraging, but I also hope that it compels all of us to take the gospel to everyone as well. And I hope that through this Lenten series, we are all reminded that we serve a mighty Savior. We serve a mighty Savior. And Jesus came for everyone. Some of us need encouraged today. We need to remember that the gospel is for us as well. Whether we realize it or not, we do end up marginalized people, marginalizing people. We end up with presuppositional thoughts about other people. And we must realize today that the gospel is for everyone. Jesus does not marginalize. Jesus came for everyone. I don't know about you, but thoughts can race through my head. And many times I have to think, oh, Lord, forgive me for that thought. We want to get rid of any thoughts that marginalize because Jesus came for everyone Everyone needs Jesus, and Jesus is the hope of the world. 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer of the hope that is within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. Sometimes, I dare say oftentimes, we focus on having the answer, but we neglect hope and gentleness and respect. The answer is about our hope. 
Jesus is our hope. He's the hope of the world. Actually, before that, 1 Peter 3.15 says to sanctify. That means set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. We make him our Lord and our Savior. And then we're always ready to give an answer of the hope. Sometimes we're ready to give the answer without the hope and it just becomes bitter argumentation and divisiveness and anger and hostility and, and all kinds of stuff. And marginalization. Jesus does not marginalize. Jesus came for everyone. I invite you to read with me Luke 8, 43 through 48. It's on the screen today. It's also in the sermon manuscripts if you're following along. And uh, I also encourage you to read from your Bibles if you have that. Uh, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on, on, um, on, on physicians, it could, it, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him, the hymn is Jesus, and she touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and she came falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And the rest is cut off, so I'll read the rest. Immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Now notice, notice it says in there how she had been immediately healed. She was immediately healed, and then that part that got cut off, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. In the gospel, we find that the gospel is for everyone and we see Jesus' mighty power. Let's break this down just for a few moments. In Luke 8, 1 through 2, we need to put this in context because a text without a context is a pretext for whatever you want it to mean. You gotta put it in context. This is Luke chapter eight. In verses one through two, it shows Jesus was traveling from city to city and he's proclaiming and he's preaching the kingdom of God and women were with him. And even though there were certain cultural ideas regarding women, Jesus had women with him. They were even part of his circle, so to speak, where women were part of his inner circle, so to speak. And one of the proofs of the gospel's truth is that the gospels would not include women if they were not true. If they were not true, they would not include women because women were not acceptable testimonies back in that day and age. But this is true, and Jesus included women, and that's recorded. So Jesus is traveling around, and women, women were with him. Jesus was open and accessible to all. He was open and accessible to all. And this is a narrative. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, and, and he's interrupted. He's interrupted. Notice that Jesus is interruptible. He was interruptible then, and he's also interruptible by you and by me. We can interrupt him. We're actually not interrupting him because he's outside of time. He has all the time in the world. But this miracle right here is a sandwich miracle. It's a miracle in between his other miracles. It's a miracle in between his healing of Jairus' daughter. And do we ever notice interruptions can be of God? Have you, ever, have you ever been interrupted by something and maybe you're frustrated at first and afterwards you think, oh, that was of God. He wanted me at this place at that time. He wanted that to happen. It was of God. Verse 42 of Luke 8 tells us that Jesus was traveling and the crowds are pressing against him. I love how the chosen 
uh, narrates it, if you get to watch The Chosen, I just showed this clip in Sunday school, how it narrates it because after this whole crowd is around him, the whole crowd is around him, and they portray Peter as such a dominant figure. After it, Peter looks at everybody and says, everybody get back, you know? And so Jesus can address this, this woman. There's this big crowd around him. He's traveling from place to place. There's a big crowd around him. You know, if it was today, Jesus could travel in a limousine. He could travel in a private plane. But Jesus didn't do that. He traveled by him. He traveled with the disciples, and there's a big crowd. No, he didn't have bodyguards around him. He's just traveling. He's with the people. He's accessible to the people. Jesus is usually with the people. He's usually ex- uh, accessible with the people. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, there is an exception where he retreats to a solitary place. Jesus went from time to time to a solitary place to pray. But most of the time, many times, he's with the people. He didn't limit the people. He didn't push people away. He was accessible. Jesus was no respecter of persons. Jesus did not show prejudice. Jesus came to serve, and that's because the gospel is for everyone. And we're going to continue throughout this Lenten season looking at an account where we see the gospel is for everyone. Verse 43, this woman has had a hemorrhage for 12 years. Imagine what it was like for her. We do not know how she was bleeding, but it was likely some type of a female ailment. This probably caused her to be physically weak. It affected her physically. We do know based off of Leviticus 15 that she would have been considered unclean by the Mosaic law. She was an outcast. She was marginalized. So she had physical turmoil. She had social isolation. And she had spiritual isolation. It affected her physically, it affected her socially, and it affected her spiritually. In all three of those ways, she was affected, she was marginalized, she was an outcast. Emotionally scarred by being looked upon as an outcast. Spiritually excluded from the temple and the synagogue. Physically weak and likely in pain. Twelve years. She suffered from this. In my translation, it says that she could not be healed. In other translations, it says that she exhausted all her money trying to get better, trying to get help. Some of you know how she feels. Some of you have gone through difficulties for many, many years trying to get help, exhausting resources, trying to get help. Jesus heals her right here. He heals her physically, but most importantly, emotionally and spiritually as well. And he'll do the same for all of us. Verse 44 tells us that she came up behind him and she, she touched the hem or fringe of his garment. Uh, the wording here makes it sound like she simply brushed by or tapped the garment. But in the original language, she grabbed onto the garment and she held onto it. After 12 years, she wanted to be made well. After 12 years of physical problems, emotionally being an outcast and spiritually being an outcast, she wanted to be made well and she is immediately made well by touching her, as was portrayed in the skit very well. She, Jesus could have been made unclean. Even if an unclean person is simply brushed by a clean person, that would make the clean person unclean, Leviticus 15 tells us. Anyone in the crowd could have been made unclean. But Jesus was willing to risk that to make this woman well. And Jesus never rebuked her either. 
after the narrative, after the event, Jesus didn't rebuke her. Jesus didn't say, hey, you've been made well, but you shouldn't have done this. No, he did not do that. He had compassion for her and he made her well. Jesus responds, verses 45 through 46, have Jesus asking who touched him. Peter speaks up. Peter's often the spokesperson. He, he says, this is such a crowd, there's no way to know who touched you. How can we know who touched you? Jesus says that he felt power go out from him. Uh, we need to make a note here. Jesus did not necessarily lose power. He knew what was going on. But Jesus is still omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He just knew that something happened. In verses 47 through 48 are key. The woman comes trembling and falls down before him. She comes trembling in utter, complete humility and falls down before him. Imagine how she felt now. She's been an outcast socially. She's been an outcast from Jewish practices. She's been in pain and physical turmoil. This has gone on for 12 years. And now she was instantly made well. I wonder what it's like for her. She probably the instant relief of being made well. The instant relief was likely, though, matched by her instant fear of going before Jesus. What would he say? What would he do? Would he make her sick again? Would he strike her down? I mean, she had to have been thinking. She knew, she knew how the religious leaders were at the time. She could have known. She took a risk of making her, him and others unclean. He could reverse this. He could strike her down. He could completely and more than embarrass her. What went through her mind? Was there a combination of tears of joy and tears of fear? And then in verse 48, Jesus calls her daughter. This is the only time in the New Testament Jesus addresses a woman as daughter. The only time in the New Testament Jesus addresses a woman as daughter. She was an outcast all those years. But to Jesus, he considers her as family. How did she feel now? We all know that words have meaning. I wonder if she instantly felt some type of joy. The beginning of this message, I mentioned Mother Teresa. She served the people left out. Who do we need to go to? What mindset do we need to change? Jesus came for everyone. No matter what, it seems like it's so easy for us to end up with the mindset, even if it's subconscious, of thinking of other people as those people versus us or pride or whatever it might be. Jesus came for everyone. He served everyone. Between Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 19, we have what's called the road to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And in, those gospel, in that gospel of Luke, in those chapters, Luke records 10 parables that are not in the other gospels. The parable of the Good Samaritan. The Jerusalem Jewish people of which Jesus would be a part of could not stand the Samaritans. Jesus goes right through Samaria and he makes the Samaritan the good guy. He came for those who were left out, who are marginalized, bless you. 
he came for those who were left out, who are marginalized, who, who the others would have total, complete hostility towards. He told the parable of the lost coin in Luke 15. He told the parable of the lost sheep. Pause, because I never get it right. Sheep, sheep, plural, singular. He told the parable of the lost sheep. There were 100, lost one. So he told the parable of the lost sheep. And of course, he told the parable of the prodigal son. What mindset do we need to change so we can be more like Jesus? As we look towards Resurrection Sunday, as we look towards the cross, it's important that we all realize that Jesus came for us and Jesus came for all. We must be reminded that the gospel is for everyone. Jesus came for the marginalized, the sick, the hurting. Now, we could easily, and some of you might be thinking, what about those who are not marginalized? Well, he came for everyone. Though, if you read your Bible from cover to cover, which I've done, I'd say a lot. There's a lot in there about those who are marginalized and hurting and left out. Consider the Mosaic Law. Jesus came for everyone. He came for the unclean. We must be available and even go to the marginalized, the sick, and the hurting as well. I like what one preacher says. He wasn't done with her. She needed to be restored physically. She needed to be restored socially. She needed to be restored spiritually. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace, not psychological peace. Go in peace with God, objective peace. Your faith has saved you. Peace with God. You have made peace with God. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22, in the Matthew account, he said, be of good comfort. Eusebius, a church historian, says, there is a statue of this lady in his day. Now, his day was like 700 A.D. There's a statue of this lady in his day. In her town is a living testimony that she became a believer in Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus knows you. He knows your hurts. He knows your needs. He is accessible to you. He is available to you. He is interruptible by you. This whole, this whole miracle was an interruption. He was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter to raise her from the dead, which he did. He is interruptible by you. And he is inexhaustible in meeting your need. And is personal with him. He feels the flow of power into your life. This is our God manifest in Jesus Christ. Last week I shared something that I think is good to reboot our thinking every single day. Grace towards everyone. Faith towards God. Biblical wisdom towards everything. Grace towards everyone. Faith towards God. Biblical wisdom towards everything. That's in your bulletin today, actually. I encourage you. The gravity of our depravity will bring us down every time. And we end up thinking, oh, they don't deserve grace. They don't deserve this. We don't deserve grace. We don't deserve the grace of God. We don't deserve grace from everyone, from anyone. We don't deserve what we have. If we did, it wouldn't be grace. Grace means unearned, unmerited favor. Grace towards everyone. And I'm not talking about in your money or in your things that you can give. I'm talking about in our attitude and in our thinking and in our words. Grace towards everyone. 
A big part of actually learning to forgive is thinking back to a point when we didn't deserve something and gave us God, and, and someone gave us forgiveness. Grace towards everyone. Faith towards God. It's, it's impossible to please God without faith. Biblical wisdom towards everything. We will face all kinds of situations. Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. There are certain verses that I pretty much meditate on or recite every day. I don't know if I shared this last week or not, but Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath. Have you ever been in an argument and you realize if you get loud, the other person gets louder and it just goes on and on? It takes one person to lower the temperature. Grab a Snickers because you can't argue when you're eating a Snickers. And they have peanuts in them, and that's protein. It's healthy. <laughs> Takes one person. A soft answer turns to wrath, Proverbs 51. Proverbs 19.11 is a good thing to overlook a sin. Philippians 2.14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. Then you will shine like light. It's kind of like you can't shine like light if you're grumbling and complaining. How can we be others-focused? How can we think about others? How can we give grace towards everyone? Jesus gives us grace. Jesus gave this woman Grace. Nobody else would. She was an outcast. He gave her grace. He gives us grace. Grace towards everyone. First Corinthians 13, around verse 7. Love believes all things. That means it gives another person the benefit of the doubt. That's grace. Grace towards everyone. One more thing. Heard something this past week at a prayer meeting. It came from our executive director of Eastern Region. But it came from actually a book. He just shared it. If God answered all of your prayers of this past week, if God answered every prayer that you prayed this past week, who would be saved? If God answered every prayer you prayed this past week, who would be saved? Are we praying for the salvation of other people? And then looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them. The greatest need of all is salvation. The greatest need of all is knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we talked about this amazing, amazing, powerful, powerful passage from the gospels. Certainly, Lord Jesus, we looked at it from Luke 8, 43 through 48, but we know it's also in Matthew and the other Gospels, at least Mark, the Synoptics. And we see this amazing, profound, powerful passage of your care for those who are hurting, those who are left out, those who are marginalized, those who are unclean. And Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to be like you. So I pray, Lord God, you would apply this passage to our lives. You would apply this message to our lives as we give grace towards everyone. Trusting in you, which would be faith, and applying biblical wisdom towards everything. And Lord God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would rebuke us in such profound, strong ways when we don't. When we have those thoughts, when we have those actions, when we say those words that are not graceful that are not others focused, that are not grumbling, and, that are grumbling and complaining. 
Help us, Lord God, because we cannot give the grace that you demand without the Holy Spirit guiding us. We cannot be you to others without the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. So, Lord God, help us to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading and the Holy Spirit's conviction, to be light in a dark, dark, dark world. And, Lord God, if there's anyone here who does not know you as Lord and Savior and or who has strayed from you, I ask, Lord God, that today would be the day to come back to you. Today be the day would be the day to receive you as Lord and Savior. Today be, would be the day to confess they are a sinner in need of a Savior, to believe in you as the one and only Savior, to trust in you and commit to you, to commit their life to you. And Lord Jesus, <clears throat> we thank you for your great grace that we confess our sins. You are faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You forgive us. Our sins are as far as the east is from their west. You give us eternal life. You give us fuller life. You give us complete life. You give us abundant life. And you want, you want a relationship with us so much that you tell us angels worship in heaven over one sinner who repents. We thank you for your amazing, amazing, amazing grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.